This is She's Lost Control. The lyrics are written by Ian Curtis for Joy Division's first album back in 1979. But the story behind it is all about epilepsy. Inspired by a young woman desperate to find a job, whom he met working at a Macclesfield Occupational Rehab Centre. And when she stopped coming for appointments, Curtis thought she had a job, but in fact she died from an epileptic seizure. It seems apt that as he wrote these words, at the same time he himself was diagnosed with epilepsy, age 22. It was a condition Curtis knew little about, something that Kenny Borland from Warrington knows all too well himself. I just feel before it a really strong sense of deja vu. That's called an aura. So it gives me a bit of a warning that it's going to happen and usually I can get to a safer place and just sit down. This was back in the day I was having they're called tonic-clonic seizures. So I think that's what people picture when they hear epilepsy. They kind of fall into the ground, jerking around. I remember I was watching, you seen the film Control, Joy Division one, and it shows him having a seizure. And I was watching it with my now wife, then girlfriend, and she got really upset. And I was like, well, what's going on? Why are you so upset? She's like, that's, that's what you look like when you're having a seizure. And I just had no idea. I just I shouldn't have just lied down for a bit, peacefully snoozing. But yeah, she said it's really scary to watch and really upsetting, so... I was 10 years old, basically, I just collapsed in the garden. So then, about a year later, I had another one, and that's when they diagnosed it as epilepsy. And from there on, I had kind of one a year, roughly, and then it got more frequent as I got older. I remember passing out in the shower and kind of hitting my head on the taps or whatever, and then coming to and just not remembering it happened. As the day went on, I started to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember being in the shower. I don't remember getting out. The things that trigger it off are lack of sleep, too much alcohol, stress, anxiety. So it was the perfect storm, really, going to uni. I got insomnia, so it was just like a vicious cycle. So I was getting them more like once a month. It was more when, when I left university. I'd been quite an independent person, like I say. I'd been living away from home for three years. I suddenly just couldn't be on my own. I remember having to get the train with my mum for a day out, and it's just so strange as kind of a 21-year-old guy. Like, it's a bit weird, but, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a good time. Figures suggest one in 103 people live with the condition. They include high-profile names such as Susan Boyle through to Neil Young. Even Prince spoke about his experience. There are some 40 different types of seizures, but what should we be doing to help? Myths suggest epilepsy includes being sensitive to flashing lights, or if someone's having a seizure, to put a spoon in their mouth. But Mark Morton from Epilepsy Action is keen to stress that advice is outdated. I think for workplaces who have uh, people with epilepsy who are working there, then you have to make sure that they have a, a care plan. So if they have a seizure at work, um, you know exactly what to do. Does the person need to go home? Does the person need to be somewhere quiet to recover from the seizure? Everybody's epilepsy is different, which means that you've very much got to involve the person with epilepsy in the workplace to make sure that you know exactly what's the right thing to do for them. 
people would probably panic and call 999. Is that the right thing to do? If you don't know that it's somebody's first seizure, then one of the things you can do is call an ambulance. For a lot, but for a lot of people with epilepsy, they may be carrying some uh, ID or a, a bracelet. So for some people, it's if the seizure goes on for more than five minutes, then yes, call an ambulance. But if somebody's having regular seizures, then obviously just, just making sure that they're safe and they don't injure themselves is really important. For many, medication is the answer. But there are a few where surgery is the only option. I've been to meet Anthony Williams from Marple. It was, oh, it was non-existent, really. It was very hard. No employment, couldn't make friends. Employment was the biggest issue because no matter what job I applied for, as soon as I mentioned epilepsy, it was like, there's the door. <laughs> How did you first know that it was epilepsy that you were being affected by? The very first point was workmates spotted me staring into space on two occasions in as many weeks. I then went to see a specialist and, you know, that's where I was diagnosed. There was evidence as early as two months when it all began. Behavioural problems at school, I had to go to special school. I wasn't diagnosed till I was 20 and then it all just escalated from there till I had surgery. What did the word epilepsy mean to you when you got that diagnosis? Uh, I took it quite lightly. It was quite a relief in a way because it answered a lot of questions as to what had been going on right through my school life. It was a relief in one way, but months down the line, I realised, you know, it was a bit more serious and it basically started to destroy my life. Was there some stigma around yes, having it then as well? Certain, yes, there was a lot of stigma and, uh, I say, getting a job was non-existent till I'd actually had surgery. And then I could actually say I hadn't got it. You talk about having brain surgery. I mean, this sounds very, very extreme. Were there no tablets that you could take at that time? I tried everything and nothing worked. It had worked sometimes for two months, but then I was back to square one, having as many as 20 a day. Wow. That was what we knew about. And so how did you have to adapt to your life when, when this was I happening? Was I was basically housebound, and I say surgery was the last hope. What do they do when they get, when they do surgery? Lots of tests, MR scans, EEGs. I had to be filmed having seizures. I had to have memory tests to make sure the bit they took out wasn't destroying the majority of my memory. Oh, it was it was. I was very lucky. There's only four percent of people with epilepsy who actually get the surgery, and only seventy five percent of them it actually works for. So you can probably say I'm three percent very lucky. So it's now been fourteen years. Well, two thousand and two. So yeah, I'm into my fifteenth year seizure free, not on medic on medication or anything. Do you drive? I could drive, but I've got so used to doing without it, I don't. Yeah. And what do you do? You got you working here at the university? Yeah. yeah. I'm back doing what I initially trained to do before I started it all and lost my job in it, which is engineering. Wow. You know, I never thought I'd operate a machine again, but thankfully to these amazing surgeons, you know, I can. For most people diagnosed with epilepsy, it is a condition that can be managed, but that could mean receiving treatment for the rest of their life. can come off medication if you speak to a GP, but my dad did that and he had a seizure after not having one for 
years and years. And yeah, he lost his driver's license for a year and it was just a bit of a disaster for him. So I feel like I'll probably just be on medication. But it's just part of the routine now. It's like brushing my teeth, the same thing. So yeah, it doesn't have a massive impact. Yeah.